hope you are well. I am very excited because today I get to take a class, an online knitting class, and I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be taking a class on marling um, or making marls, I guess, um, would be more appropriate, by Cecilia Compicello, who is the author of um, the book called Making Marls, and then also a book called Sequence Knitting. And so I've been thinking about this today because I am really blown away by the focus that's in this approach. And it's reminding me of Al-Anon's mission, which mentions that it has but one purpose, a singular focus, which is helping families and friends of alcoholics. And it's that that link of focus that I kind of want to talk a little bit about today. So before I begin, I just want to say hello, welcome, thank you. It really means a lot to me that some of you are listening. It makes me feel less alone. Um, thank you for that. And I also just wanted to add that I am sharing my personal thoughts here. And of course, I'm not a representative of any 12-step program. And I'm just sharing my own musings with Al-Anon in a 12-step program. And so, as always, take what you like and leave the rest. (laughs) So, I, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about making. And I'm in a really um, weird month. August is a weird month for me with work. It's a a stressful month. And I think anybody out there whose parents also feel that with back to school. I used to love back to school. You know, new pencils and new notebooks and a fresh start always felt like a new year for me especially like I'm kind of a nerd and it definitely felt that way but lately the past few years it's been really hard I think the transition is just hard for me in general I'm a habit-based person and my life got more complicated my work got more complicated in August and especially with September but I think August was harder because it's the anticipation of the change that's coming and I for someone like me who worries and has anxiety that just I can lose weeks um, to the worry. And once I start doing something, I think I kind of kick into a new habit and a new routine pretty quickly. But it's that sort of moment before hand that's super hard. And so August has always been like one big long Sunday night for me. It's just been stressful. And that's certainly true this year with so many unknowns. I only found out very recently that both my employer and my my children's schools are going to be online. And so it's allowed me to start planning because I do think that planning will help. So I've spent a lot of time, you know, assembling cheap desks so that my kids can have work zones so that we're not all sitting at the same table. And I've been trying really hard to keep up with my home repair and wrap up and finish up some of the summer projects. And I talked a little bit about that and that sadness of, of summer, that sort of late summer feeling. I'm like, time is, is running out, which of course is just a weird mindset. Um, and it's not true. There's, there's a good month left. I should just really seize that time and enjoy it as much as possible. But my brain's already preparing. And because of that, I have a lot of making projects and work projects and, you know, household projects on my to-do list. I do not have singular focus. I am a little bit all over the place. And I'm somebody who gets a lot of energy from that, and I kind of feel like it's keeping me busy, it's keeping me sort of on an upswing, I'm not sort of giving in to malaise or anything like that. 
but I do kind of want to think a bit about a different approach because I certainly encountered it twice this week. Um, you know, once in my meeting and really thinking through what a singular purpose means. And one of the things that I love about a 12-step program, when you have that singular focus, and I think before I joined, I really figured or worried that um, that singular po- purpose was going to be very God-oriented and that it was going to bring one kind of person to the room. And I did not see myself as that kind of person. Now I realize that's sort of a flawed way of thinking, um, an excuse, a kind of protective mechanism, you know, to sort of hinge to my denial that I, the main um, part of my identity was not that I was married or loved an alcoholic, but instead that I was this thinking person who had arguments and ways of approaching the world. And so it was definitely linked to my denial. But what I found in those rooms over time is that that singular focus brings a wide array of people into the rooms. And it reminds me of how powerful a singular focus can be. And I have talked already a little bit about this in Tradition 8 and sort of how that connected to some of the social justice work and activism that has been at the forefront of my thoughts this summer, and I'm sure for all of us, as we um, round the bend to the election year, if you're in the U.S. And that has been really interesting to me, that there can be a way in which making space and narrowing your focus can actually allow you to achieve a much wider range of perspective and participation and change, both personally and maybe also um, from you know a wider impact. And that made a lot of sense to me this summer, but I haven't really been thinking about it in terms of my making other than, you know, that singular focus of um, the open air shawl that I was working on for like five months. That did not, that was a singular focus and it did not feel pretty good. And I'm very happy now I'm touching it right now. I'm very happy that it exists and that I put all that time and energy into it. But during the time it did not feel, you know, it didn't feel, um, the same way that it can sometimes feel um, exciting and creatively inspiring when you suddenly want to cast on 33 projects or you're watching or scrolling through your Instagram feed and you're seeing all the makes that all the amazing people are making and you're wondering how they do it um, and how they they manage to create so many amazing pieces um, creatively and keep it going. And um, I've been really struck today as I prepare for my class with Cecilia Compicello on making morals, I mean, this book is really, um, I think, a testament to that same sort of level of what, how wide a narrow focus actually can become. And so that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today, because there was a couple of different mindsets that um, impacted and, and sort of kept me from wanting to invest in this book. It's expensive, first off. Um, if you don't buy it through an online purveyor, which is discounted, but also has some other kinds of costs, I always try, especially this summer, I've been trying to really put my money towards local businesses in my community, which are having a hard time. And so I wanted to support my local yarn store, which is hosting this online class. The class was really affordable. I never sign up for online knitting, or actually I should say, I've never signed up for knitting classes or even sewing classes. I'm one cheap. I'd rather put my money towards the materials. I think that's flawed thinking, but that's how I think nonetheless. I'm always like, oh, but that money could buy me X amount of yards of amazing fabric. And 
it's really a bad approach. It's a, you know, I guess it's one of those um, scarcity mindsets, but regardless, I have it. So I always balk at the price of those in-person classes. They're totally worth the price, but they, it just is sticker shock. And I often struggle with spending that much money on myself in one sitting. I will spend that much money on myself, but I tend to sort of do it in these like cheap and sneaky ways that add up to the same price, but like doesn't feel as much of a splurge. So at some point I probably should do a fourth step on money, but anyway, bracketing that. Um, the second thing that is hard for me right now, of course, is that as a single mom, I just don't have the luxury of time to like go and sit in person and take those classes. And I haven't had that for a while. But now, because everything's moved online, suddenly they're accessible to me in a way that seems um, really exciting. And so I wanted to challenge myself to maybe take a class and sort of explore a different aspect of craft than, than I'm used to. And if I would have to say, if I had like a kind of focus in my knitting, I'm more of a cable knitter and a lace knitter. I do not love color work. But this class was on marling. So I was like, oh, that's like easy color work. Maybe that's something I can explore. And it was very affordable and it seemed like a good thing to, to do. So I signed up. I had a gift card. I used it towards an experience. I'm trying really hard not to do stashing and I'm trying to downsize. And so it just all seemed to align. So I, I, you know, I signed up and I got really excited. And then I got an email that says you have to buy the book. And I was like, ugh, it's not as affordable as I thought because this book is really an investment. It's a straight up investment. It's higher. And I love knitting books and I love sewing books, but I tend to try and find them secondhand and or I check them out in my library and neither of them are options right now. And so I thought, okay, well, I have a birthday gift card that, you know, my sister sent me. So maybe I should invest in this book and it'll support my local yarn store. And I'm trying really hard to stash less. So I don't want to, at this moment in time, my normal thinking of like, but I could use that to buy pretty yarn. Um, it seems less compelling. So I bought the book. And I was like, okay, well, how how much can one write about making marls? I mean, it's just two-stranded yarn, different colors. We've seen some of those, you know, amazing scrappy socks. That's kind of what I thought I was getting. Oh my goodness, that is not what I'm getting. It is like taking a walk inside an artist's mind. It is, and a scientist's mind. I mean, there is a way in which this approach is so nuanced and so detailed that it's just reminding me that if I narrowed my focus, I'm not even saying this actually as um, a skill that I want to maybe obtain for myself. I'm just trying to frame this as appreciation. What I'm witnessing when I'm reading this book is um, like an artist's method, I think. That is, it's completely internal. These are about internal goals and internal exploration and internal um, creativity. This is not an Instagram-fed project, right? This is somebody who's very much had a singular focus and wanted to explore in a systematic way what you could do with two-stranded, three-stranded knitting. And the answer is quite a lot more than I think I certainly thought was possible, and maybe many of you did too. And it reminded me of that sort of singular focus of Al-Anon. What I imagined was going to be really limiting actually opened up into a incredible realm of diversity, even as we shared our experience, strength, and hope of this very important 
aspect of our lives, right? What it's like to live with an alcoholic or to love an alcoholic or to be a child of an alcoholic. Um, or I would imagine, I can't speak from experience, but what, you know, what I often say to my partner is that, you, you know, you got to go find somebody who understands what it's like to deal with addiction. That as much as I want to be able to say, I know how you feel, I don't. And that's, you know, the grace of a higher power that I don't have that problem. And I'm trying really hard to look at it that way and be empathetic towards him that he has it. And I'm sure that if he found um, people who have that same experience that he would hopefully have, that same sort of sense of um, being in a room with people who understand and then also who are not alike, right? That there's ways in which we share an experience, but that we're also very different and that in our singular focus on what we share in common, this problem of either, you know, loving somebody and caring about somebody with addiction or actually being somebody with addiction who struggles with addiction, then there's ways to address that specific issue. And then we can take, you know, and the gift of the program is that we can take what we learn in those rooms out into the world, but that the rooms themselves have that narrow focus. And I'm now exploring and trying to think through well, actually, I'm not. I'm just appreciating that. I'm very much in my to-do list, my multi-focused, multi-project. Um, I got to deal with these piles, y'all. They're everywhere in my house, and I've got to get some order um, into the household as we round the bend and we look at September and school and my work days increasing and all of that. But I want to just tuck this away as a good reminder that I can maybe set my own creative goals. Maybe I can, I love looking at what everyone makes on Instagram, but sometimes it makes me feel really envious. Some of the knitting podcasts that I watch or the vlogs, those women have such amazing stashes and it just feels like I'm not able to participate in that making community in that way. I also don't have the time to just crank out sweaters. And I also am I don't have the focus, maybe. They're, and, and that's not judgment for them. I'm incredibly um, in awe and inspired by their making. I'm clearly watching and engaging. Um, but it can sometimes leave me feeling less than um, and, and not necessarily filled up. And that's my own anxiety. But what I really want to take away from this is the artist's way, which I think Cecilia Compicello's, I think I'm saying her name's right, I hope so, what her book might be you know, sort of signal for me is like, what happens if I just go quiet? What happens if I explore my own creative, um, you know, curiosities and I allow myself, um, the space and time to, to meet those goals. Um, one way to do that successfully so that I don't, you know, just have that open air shawl. I'm bored with a million miles of Blaine Garter stitch <laughs> experience is to narrow that focus and really maybe explore um, creativity um, through setting limits and maybe, dare I say, boundaries. <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking about all of that today. I'm crazy excited about my class and I am fully understanding that I'm talking to you all about a book that is crazy expensive and I'm sorry if I'm reproducing the very thing that I'm saying sometimes makes me feel crappy about other making related podcasts but what I would say is that um, I think there's an interview with her on the Fruity Knitting podcast and so you can get a flavor of what it might be like for free 
by watching that and um, thinking a little bit about a singular focus. Oh, a quick update. I did cast on an alpaca cloud, by the way, for myself. I um, dug out from the stash that I inherited earlier this uh, a few months ago from somebody in my neighborhood, um, there was a lot of 100% alpaca in there. <laughs> and there were four yards of, uh, four skeins, excuse me, of this beautiful blue sky alpaca. I think it's called Melange is the name of the, the yarn. And it says turquoise color. It's not pink. It's not a pink alpaca cloud, but it is a turquoise alpaca cloud. And I am making my own comfort knit, which is the, um, the textured shawl repre- uh, recipe. I already made it out of um, some beautiful uh, Kid Seda yarn that I didn't have quite enough, so it's now um, a beloved shawl for a stuffed polar bear for my daughter. Um, but I do have enough of this blue yarn, so I'm making, again, that shawl in a proper size, and I think it's going to be a gift for my dissertation advisor, who was very kind to me this year, and um, I wanted to say thank you, and she has a wool allergy. So anyway, I am rambling. I'm going to stop now. I hope you're well. I hope you have beautiful materials to work with. And I hope that these last few weeks of summer are, um, if you are facing a transition like I am, I hope these last few weeks of summer are amazing and, and, and full with rest and joy and beauty and um, either a focus uh, sense of making or maybe you're like me just trying to get through the to-do list. But anyway, I hope you well and I will see you and talk to you soon. Bye.